0: And would you all like to talk a little bit how you each got into cannabis originally and maybe a little about your origin stories and how you got to where you are?
1: Hi, I'm Rick Fitzgerald. I am originally from Virginia, uh, out in California for the past 12 years. I am uh, the... Uh, CCO, the Chief Creative Officer for Lazy Turtle Group. Um, I'm also the Chief Design Officer for Merchant Boxes, and I assist Monique and the graphic end for Indica.com.
2: Hi, and I'm Monique Jackson Fitzgerald, and I am the founder of Indica.com. And we created a cannabis travel and tourism website for people to um, explore and experience um, all things cannabis travel related. So we are really excited about uh growing the community and um, coming together again.
1: Yeah, we moved here we moved to California from Virginia in 2010 and that's when uh when I discovered the you know the the full the full on uh California cannabis um culture and community and uh realized quickly that it was it was a plant that I had used for my entire life had enjoyed my entire life but didn't realize how how much um you know how much more additional benefits I I could get from it so when i came out to california we you know we you know i in particular jumped into it and really started to explore the the community the uh the plant learn a more, little bit more about what was going on in california on the on the medical side and uh just found that this this uh this plant really just was good for me in so many ways uh, mentally and physically and uh uh really just dove into it and and uh realized that it was going to be some you know some interesting changes in the world with uh with California um and and some of the West Coast uh states coming on board with cannabis and then uh you know as as se- have we seen it go across the country and and become uh you know both medically and recreationally uh available to folks in other states it's it's uh it's really changing the tides and and um from that i realized that there were some ways that i could help the um help the the development of this this emerging i guess we can call it an industry or or this emerging space um with some of the some of the skill sets that i had from my past and, and in particular in branding and packaging um you know realized that i could not only uh potentially you know uh, make a little, little living, but also help folks figure out how to launch their, you know, their brands through a, a branding um, perspective, through their their look, their logos, their corporate identity, their story, um, and ultimately their packaging um, uh, and and beyond. So that was kind of my introduction and my my stepping into that realm. Um, I let uh, let Monique talk about her her beginnings in the space, which are. Completely different, but very interesting
2: well, I think you know, I think Rick said a lot of interesting stuff about it. it's It's interesting when you look back at the the history of of the movement. and even like when we stepped into it, everything was was already mid progress here in California when we moved here. But um we were able to um, quickly see the benefits of the of cannabis as plant medicine, but then also as a Um, as a cultural aspect, and then also as a community builder. So um, my experience was a bit more limited in that I had not, I'd never really used cannabis before I moved to California. So I was an adult for all of my experiences. And so my viewpoint was more from a medicinal standpoint, more from a lifestyle benefit standpoint um, than just, uh, you know, younger folks antics, if you will. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so when we saw the opportunity um, in California, when things became legal, First in Colorado and then um, starting with California with the medical regulations and then eventually the recreational side of things. Um, We really decided to take a a look at our lives and how we were living and um, seeing the benefit that cannabis had given us. We were we we started brainstorming ideas for how we could. Um, use this moment in history, really, to recreate our path, to to forge a new path forward for our futures. And so we really started thinking about what we wanted to do, what we wanted to see out of this this new cannabis community that was being created, and how we could impact it in a beneficial and positive way. And so that's how we we got to where we are today with Indica.
0: And did either of you all have any trepidation when you first moved out or did you move to California, then look at the cannabis space or move out to California for the cannabis space more?
2: So we moved here for for completely different reasons. Um, We moved here for professional reasons only. And so Rick was working as a um, creative director at a packaging company, and I was working as an attorney and a litigation um, consultant. And so when uh, we were using it personally, and then when legalization hit, we were, that's when we decided that these were the opportunities that we wanted to pursue in the future.
0: And was there any sort of aha moment or was it a gradual, you saw it, you heard about it, experienced a little bit, or what was that catalyst to make you all decide to jump in?
2: Um, it was when we saw that what was happening in Colorado with legalization and that it was going to start here. So so what we did is, um, and this is really how Indica came about, is we took a trip to the desert. I planned out a trip with a bunch of different activities, some mind-expanding things for us to do. And we went out there and we, you know, we sat in the desert. We looked at the the nature and experience uh, you know, some pretty impactful moments while we were together out there, and from that came the idea, this vision, if you will, of creating a community gathering space, a place for, um, you know, Indica is actually, I know we all know the term Indica from cannabis, but um, the way we defined it and created it was Indica with two ends because uh, we wanted this to be a place for lodging, entertainment, and foolish talking. So it's a combination of the word inn and dica. And so for us, it was about creating a place for people to come and try to try to not to replicate our experience, but to find out what their experience was going to be, to find something that spoke to them in the same way, in the same way that they could, you know, envision a new future for themselves.
0: And for our listeners, is Indica a physical place? Is it a platform? What exactly is it?
2: You know, ultimately Indica is a state of mind, but in yeah, its current completely. in its current iteration, it is a it's a it's a platform. It's an online platform for people to discover cannabis hotels, um, consumption lounges, venues and activities and. Um, we we, you know, as a, a place for lodging, entertainment and foolish talking, we we broke it out into um, what we felt were the most important aspects of a trip, which was to stay, gather, play and explore. Right. So we want to feature something from each of those areas so that people can have a, a an entire experience, a whole experience versus just parts and pieces of an adventure.
1: Yeah, we started and you know well, we started this this um this indica journey a, a number of years ago um uh, when all of this was kind of coming into uh into the realm of, of recreation um and there wasn't a lot of uh you know information out there places that you could go stay that were cannabis friendly um it, it they were they were far and few in between sometimes you would see a little article here and there but for the most part these were little kind of separate uh satellites just floating around trying to figure things out so we wanted to wanted to really bring a, 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 put together something so that these places had a place, had a home to reside in um, so that folks could find out more about where to go to stay, gather, play, and explore in the cannabis, you know, travel and tourism realm.
2: Yeah. So currently we're an online platform and ultimately, you know, our our goal eventually would be to have a physical space for, for folks, whether it's a gathering space or an accommodation. Um, we haven't, I have a, I have a pretty broad vision in my mind that I am trying to um, bring to life. And so everything that we've done up to this point is just taking steps towards that, to realizing that vision.
0: And what exactly is that vision? If you could clarify that a little bit, what do you see this becoming for you all and for the community?
2: Um, for the community, you know, we hope that this will, will become a place for people to come to to share their experiences um, and to also to plan out new adventures. You know, the whole, the whole point of this is for information, right? It's for you to find out where you're going to go, what activities you're going to indulge in, um, what dispensaries are nearby you, what's the legal landscape in the place that you're visiting. So we really want it to be a place that... Um, is a trusted advisor to the cannabis traveler, to the cannabis curious all the way up to the enthusiast, right? So that they know that they can find the experience that they need to have, they can find the resources that they need to have, and they can have a safe and legal experience in the state whichever state that may be right now where, you know, we have properties and activities listed in um, most of the recreationally legal states. Um, and as more and more states uh, get their regulations set up, we're going to have, you know, more activity in that realm. So future wise, yeah, we see this as, as really a, a, essential tool and resource for the cannabis traveler. Um, and then ultimately For a space, you know, there's a vision that I've had in my mind for a long time of a place where where everyone is assured of welcome. You know, I think, um, especially coming out of COVID, gathering together has become so much more vital and important to us. And we're doing it in a more meaningful way. And so I think it's important that we create a space where everyone is welcome where all ideas are are welcome where all backgrounds are welcome where all experience levels are welcome and so ultimately I, I I have this vision in my mind of a place where people come together to think to plan to share ideas to grow um and to celebrate obviously we all still want to have fun too so it can all it's not all serious, right so um that's my ultimate vision for a place but in in the meantime indica as a platform indica.com, is available for everyone to to start building their own vision.
0: I apologize, I can't remember the name of it, but it reminds me of a series of travel guides that I know are out there. They do them for each country in different areas, sort like a travel guide, but it reminds me of that a lot. I don't think it's Forbidden Planet, but you might be able to help me.
2: Yeah, oh, I think, I, think okay. I know, yeah, there's Lonely Planet, there's... Um, Lonely Planet, that Yeah, one. and then Atlas Obscura does some really great stuff too with trip itineraries and planning things out. So those are great resources. I love that stuff. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that's what it's reminding me of, just it happens to be 420 friendly.
2: Yeah, and exactly. As,
0: and as you're moving into different spaces, are you seeing any challenges from going from maybe... California focused only to trying to give information in these new areas, or is it just keep the process going, keeping the energy up, adding new things?
2: Um, It's it's a lot of what you just said. I mean, I think so. So from uh, with my background in the legal space, I I, I have a I tend to focus on regulations a lot. So I try to stay up to date on what is happening in the regulatory landscape in the different states as they come on board. Um, One thing as um, providers of this of this type of platform, we all have to be aware of and keep up to date with what the regulations are in the particular states. So for us, it was what that means for us is that we focus on states with a recreationally legal program or adult use program, whatever, however they're defining it. Um, We also tend to focus our listings only on um, actual hotels versus um, standalone vacation rentals. Uh, There's a great resource out there, though, for people who are interested in more Airbnb style rentals called Bud and Breakfast. And they're out of Colorado and they do a really great job of featuring unique spaces, unique places to stay, that sort of thing. So for us on on our side, we stayed with the hotels and with... um, cannabis lounges as they become licensed. So it's all just a matter of staying up to date on the regulations, you know, scheduling in education for yourself, and, and really making sure that we are active parts of the community as well, and that we're advocating, and that we are um, doing our our part to, to forward the conversation about cannabis and cannabis normalization.
0: And You all talked a little bit about making sure you're up to date on the regulations and different things like that. Do you all personally vet the different locations that you have on the website first or is it community posted or how does someone get listed on there?
2: Um It's both. I think um, the initial listings that we had were things that we personally vetted ourselves and uh, visited properties, visited with people, spoke with people um, to get the ball rolling. But um, ultimately, we want to build this community. So we have left it open for people to add properties, to add listings. Um, this is about sharing your impressions of places, sharing um, more, more than just a review though, right? It's about really sharing like what what your experience was there at this place and so our form is open so that people can post other properties um and we are obviously on the on the back end we we vet those as they come through to make sure that there's nothing um nothing untoward going on (laughs) for lack of a better phrase
0: No, that's a perfect one because that is something you have to check up on, unfortunately, and having a trusted resource is part of that.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. So for any of our lounge listings and um, anything that is licensed by the state, we do require your license number. And um, and then we do some due diligence on our end just to make sure that uh, licenses are valid and, and are assigned to the property and or you know space that they are attached to.
1: Yeah. And then if someone passes all the checks, they get a a nice little Indica uh, approved seal of approval they can put in their window, just like AAA and stuff like that. And um, uh, you can, you know, just walk up to the property and see that it is uh, it's a it's a safe vetted place.
0: And this might be different for each of you, but favorite or favorites places that you all have visited that are on your list that people can also go and see so far.
2: Um, so for me, my favorite is actually a place that I have not physically been to yet. i've um I've spoken with the innkeepers numerous times. um I, I've virtually visited their property. And I have to say it's absolutely stunning. And it's a place called Mine Plus Farm Inn up in um the Russian River area of California up north. And, They just really have a beautiful aesthetic. They've really crafted and curated a a welcoming place for everyone. Um, They have great farm to table dinner events. They, um, you know, they've really just gone above and beyond. They've taken it to the next level for the experience that a guest will have. So, So mine and Farm Inn is my favorite.
1: Yeah, I'd have to say one of the first property that we listed on Indica was Desert Hot Springs Inn in desert hot springs california um and uh i gotta say that just has a special place in my heart because we've spent a a number of times with with that group over there and it's just a small little boutique hotel i think it's like eight rooms it's got a, a an amazing spring fed pool and spring fed um hot spring fed uh hot tub um, so you're just lounging in some amazing healing waters right there, and you know they're in the desert, so it's you know you have that whole desert vibe um, going for it, and uh, they're super sweet folks. So yeah, I'd say uh, Desert Hot Springs Inn is a, is is my fav- my favorite place
2: but i think you know as as the cannabis tourism space evolves and as more people see how they can really elevate their their businesses really add some uh streams of income to their and revenue sources i think we're going to see more and more impressive Properties coming on board with cannabis and being becoming cam- cannabis friendly. It's becoming more mainstream and accepted. And and as also you know, as consumption methods have changed and more things become available, it's a lot easier to be cannabis friendly nowadays than it was you know back in you know 2016 2017. So I think the uh, you know it's just a wide open space right now.
0: And you talk about things changing. Are you finding that people gravitate more towards A type of experience or people are looking for different experience or what do people typically look for when they do look on your website or do go to a location?
2: Um, I've seen lately the trend is more towards um, less towards accommodations and more towards um, gathering spaces and things to do Um, with a lot of the new lounges that are coming out um, in California, Nevada, New York. Um, those places, uh, there's a lot of excitement being generated around being able to gather again, right? To get together face-to-face, share share a smoke, share a story, and and really just have a good time together. So I'm definitely seeing a lot of interest right now in gathering spaces, consumption lounges, and then the events that are tied to them. So people want activities, and they want to get together.
1: Completely. Yeah, there's... We, we've seen a number of of interesting events. We've been to a lot of cannabis events and uh, gatherings and stuff. And, uh, you know, recently we've seen some really interesting ones pop up uh, in uh, Los Angeles in particular. There's an, a regular event every Sunday night going on on the rooftop of the Monte Blanc Theater in Hollywood uh, called Cannabis and Movies Night. And it's essentially just a it's the entire rooftop of this theater, which is beautiful, and they've got an outdoor um, screen. They show the movies they have um, for a, for an entry fee, uh, I think a, a membership fee, they call it. Um, you've got access to food truck vendors, to drinks, to a dab bar. Um, there's a number of brands that uh, sponsor each um, movie night. So you have different uh, brands showing their wares, and, and uh, it's just a really unique experience of bringing folks to something that we already love to do, go see a drive-in movie, I mean, or just see a movie in general. But to be able to have the ability to uh, enjoy your cannabis at the same time is just fantastic. So I think the uniqueness of events are starting to really come alive, and that's uh, that's an exciting component. Um, the experiential event side is is um, is really an interesting space.
0: Up and smoke a little more fun when you're there you you know, <laughs> right when There you go. Completely. And say someone's looking to open up an event space or maybe looking to open up a lodging experience that's 420 friendly. What are some of the things that you maybe would advise them or say that this would be good advice if you're looking to do that?
2: Uh, I think the first thing is is to um, educate yourself, right? To To know what the regulations are in your state, know what kind of activities you are allowed to do and what you cannot do what things require a license Um, and it's more than just a cannabis license right a lot of times people forget that you have other um, certifications that you need for food service uh, restaurant operations that sort of thing Um, you have uh, business license requirements insurance requirements all of that stuff so educate yourself on what's required to operate your business from you know the minute you turn on the lights till the minute you lock the door Um, second to that i would say use the resources that have already been created for you, right? Um, the There's a great organization called the Cannabis Travel Associ- Association International, and um, they're a business group of all of the cannabis hospitality businesses. Um, for instance, they're having their Cannabis Travel World Fair next week, February, was um, the date, uh, I think the...
1: Monique will be speaking on it
2: yes, I'm speaking and I don't uh, and I don't have my date in front of me I'm terrible <laughs> at this <laughs> um it's on catch. february 7th through the 8th and it's a virtual cannabis travel summit so um things like that these associations these groups and and just reaching out to other people in the same space as you right um these roads are being paved by um by people who have been um doing this for a while so maybe just reach out and say hey do you have any advice that you can share for me in this in this space that i'm trying to occupy
1: Collaboration is key.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're still growing and it's still very new and it is about collaboration versus competition.
0: And are there any sort of experiences or concepts? You don't have to mention names on this one, but just ideas that you've seen not pan out or reasons why people may have gone in with the best of intentions, but certain practical things that made it not possible.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, especially here in California, the main thing was um, the cannabis bus tours. Right. Uh, Out the gate, everyone thought that this would be a viable option to have consumption um, and to have a safe ride to and from and to take cannabis tours. Well, it turns out you're not allowed to smoke on a bus. So that got the kibosh right away. Um, There's been a couple other types of things, you know, um, In particular, California's regulations are pretty strict about all cannabis activities, including events um, and consumption events. So I think that really that made things not impossible, but just slightly more difficult. For people here in California. And I, I think we're seeing that echoed across the, the country as things are rolled out. Usually social consumption is the last thing they consider when they're drafting their regulations. Um, it's uh, at the state levels, you know, they're they're mostly concerned about what they're going to get tax regu- revenue from. So social consumption is usually shoved aside till the last or till the end. Um, and that's what happened here in California. It's happened in many states. And um, I think Going forward, though, we're going to see more attention on that side, and hopefully we'll see more reasonable regulations uh, get developed for that.
3: a department called Code Enforcement and they seem to have a peculiar enjoyment with going to those poor neighborhoods and giving out fines. So if you have a garden that's over 10 inches, well, this is where it gets really ridiculous because the city will say it's uncultivated and say you have to cut your garden down. Well, if Metro Council wants grass, well, they can kiss my ass. family. You can find me, you can cite me, but I think it would excite me if Metro Council changed the fucking codes. <laughs> well, Metro government thinks they're being respectable, and to rich house flippers my garden's pretty detestable, but the food I'm growing tastes pretty delectable, so why can't we change the law? So rather than making every yard a plantation, I'd really like to suggest a change in vocation to the fucking politicians that want two inches of mandatory grass instead well, of food. Mayor Fisher wants grass. Well, he can kiss my ass. I'm growing food to feed my family. It doesn't matter what the code book says. I'm gonna grow my own food instead, Mayor Fisher. To change the fucking codes. We spend our lives all looking for purpose, but it seems our politicians want us mowing in circles. And grass ain't feeding no one, not even the birds. We waste so much time just cutting a plant that in two weeks we'll just grow right on back, and we have to spend more money and time to cut it again. If Metro Council wants grass well. They can kiss my ass. I'm growing food to feed my family. You can find me, you can cite me, but I think it would excite me. If Metro Council changed the fucking codes. If Metro Council was grass, well, they can kiss my ass. I'm growing food to feed my family find me, you can cite me, but I think it would excite me if Metro Council changed the fucking codes. If Mayor Fisher wants grass, well, he can kiss my ass. I'm growing food to feed my family. It doesn't matter what the book says, I'm gonna grow my own. Instead, Mayor Fisher, you need to change the fucking codes If Metro Council wants grass, well, they can kiss my ass I'm growing food to feed my family You can find me, you can cite me, but I think it would excite me If Metro Council changed the fucking codes if Mayor Fisher was grass, well, he can kiss my ass. I'm growing food to feed my family. It doesn't matter what the code book says, I'm gonna grow my own food instead. Mayor Fisher, you need to change the fucking codes. Metro Council, you need to change the fucking code.
0: and if you had any advice for legislators in particular or people that work with regulations if you all had a wish list of things that you could have changed kind of like maybe you're talking about being able to do the bus tours what would you ask for to make it easier for cannabis tourism and for cannabis experiences
2: um i think the 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 current trend towards requiring Special licensing for cannabis events and activities is the wrong move for a lot of legislators, because what they're doing is they're applying the same model to cannabis events as they did to cannabis cultivation and can- commercial cannabis activities. Um, the issue is, though, you know, a hotel is not a retail establishment like a dispensary. So it's not the same amount of revenue going through. It's not the same turnover. uh, It's not the same even safety concerns. And so applying those regulations strictly across the board to cannabis events and hospitality is, it's incorrect. We've already regulated. So instead of layering more and more regulations on us and tying our hands so that we can't do anything, they should look at the fact that these are adult use regulations, these are adult use products, and treat them accordingly. We don't restrict alcohol the same way. We don't restrict tobacco the same way. I mean, it's it's gotten to the point where it's quite ridiculous, actually. It's just like a tax grab at this point. So I think if going forward, if regulators could really think through this process, we've given people the right to purchase cannabis. We've given people the right to grow and consume cannabis. And what we have not done is given them a place to do it safely, and so that's what's missing. And I think that should be addressed soon, hopefully.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of wild to think that you know we're we're seeing such a a a wave of amazingness happening, but with all of that stuff that's being passed and regulations being created, they they're allowing everything except for where you can consume. Yeah. Um, So I think difficult. Yeah,
2: I mean, for example, a proper event with a um, a city license and insurance should be sufficient for a cannabis event, a cannabis consumption event, if you're not having retail sales. But instead they want you to have an event license at the state level, then a actual event per event license when you do the event, plus then you need city permission and it just goes on and on and on. And they've just made it so difficult to be creative and so difficult to gather. And um, you know, I, I would like to see that change in the
1: future. I mean, uh, the, in addition to that, it, it you know, having all these restrictions brings out some additional levels of creativity. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: yeah, you have to be innovative. Yeah, to be innovative.
1: To be yeah, innovative. And what are some ways that
0: people have been innovative? Just as some examples of what people are doing to get around some of these things.
2: Well, so not necessarily to get around them, but I think um, one thing I've seen is. Uh, I've seen event planners actually take on the burden of creating their own physical space to start hosting events, because then it becomes um, uh, more manageable when you talk about the event license requirements and, you know, tax, insurance, all that stuff. So uh, by taking on and developing their own spaces to host events, then they're able to, um, you know, have different revenue streams and um, brand partnerships, for instance, are really big right now too. So I think, I think as we go, things will start to smooth out, but it's just, you know, it's all growing pains, right?
0: Absolutely. And I'm not sure if both of you or maybe Rick, you could talk to this a little bit, but talking about challenges, are you all finding any challenges in getting the word out about Indica or being able to advertise or be in the media and let people on that you have this resource?
1: Yeah, that's 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 been a big challenge. I mean there's the the regulations around advertising and marketing for cannabis are really really restrictive. Um, so talk about stepping up your creativity. It's an area that you have to figure out how to navigate these realms. And, um, you know, it took some time, but we've been able to really uh, figure a lot of things out. I mean, on our social media, it's it's difficult. You can't mention, you can't hashtag cannabis, you can't have cannabis, marijuana, whatever uh, term you're using, you can't have that in your post. So finding ways around that, finding new words to use, you know, a lot of green, a lot of herb, um, type of, of combinations has has helped, but it's still really restrictive. I mean, the you know honestly, in 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 cannabis marketing, one of the only avenues you have for advertising is uh, you know through the through the package itself, sitting on the shelf. Um, any other area, you're you're limited, and you are risking getting your ads or whatever pulled down. Um, so. You know, it it is challenging, but again, it it just it just pushes us to figure out ways to connect to the to the people. And, um, you know, it's definitely uh, definitely uh, put its uh, put its challenges to us. But, um, you know, like I said, we found some ways we we have a you know, we have all of our social media going. LinkedIn is a great place for certain things. Um, I know it's a business oriented site, but they do allow uh, a lot of cannabis content on there, um, which is nice. So we're able to, to make some pushes through there. Um, media is great. Uh, a lot of publications will pick up information and share information about what's going on. And we've been fortunate to be included in a number of, of publications, large and small, that that are all have their own audience that get to see us through those methods. Um, but yeah, it's challenging. I mean, that's one of the things you know to to talk about the legislators about is just loosening up some of these advertising restrictions and and um, allowing us cannabis companies some more means of promoting our service.
0: And you all talked a little bit about brand partnerships, but have any of these locations found difficulties in finding actual product or finding actual cannabis or cannabis products? for the event itself, even separate from running the event.
2: Um, I don't I don't think that's been much of a hindrance in the um in the licensed marketplace when when they have the cannabis event license, there's a there's a setup that they have for if you're going to allow retail sales and whatnot. But for the most part, most um I don't I don't think access to cannabis is ever going to be the issue. It's going to be <laughs> um, you know, about social consumption being permitted period. Yeah. So I think I, and uh, you know, it's great too, because a lot of the brands nowadays are um, almost everybody has a uh, non THC line. So um, from uh from a hotel perspective, from a lodging perspective, it's a great way to feature brands and partner with brands without um, getting sideways of any retail regulations for cannabis use and sales.
1: Yeah, one thing we had, uh, you know, we had talked with um, uh, Ditter Hot Springs in in particular, but other properties are about um, you know having some some of the brands that we're associated with or brands that they dig and using to Monique's point the uh, their CBD line their their hemp based lines um, products to you know like on the on on the pillow at night instead of a little you know regular little chocolate that you might get if you're lucky you get a chocolate but uh you know a nice little cbd infused um chocolate on the on the pillow at night would be just an amazing little touch and introduce folks that might have never seen that particular product or even what that is uh you know introduce them to that realm in an interesting way
0: and say you're looking 10 years 20 years in the future how do you see this curving? How do you see this trajectory for the cannabis travel space evolving?
2: Honestly, I think I think once the new wears off, it's going to be um, about curating wellness and lifestyle experiences that incorporate cannabis so that it is just a part of the destination experience versus the experience itself. Um, So, you know, we always like to say that cannabis is supposed to be a conversation starter. It's not supposed to be the conversation. So ultimately, what I would like to see is that it's seamlessly integrated into the experience and available for somebody who wants it. If I can go to a hotel and order room service and get a, um, you know, a martini and a piece of fish, then I should be able to dial down to room service and get a joint and a piece of fish or get a, you know, a, um, a a THC cocktail and a piece of fish. And so ultimately, I think 10 years down the road, that's what it's going to be about. It's going to be about seamlessly integrating this into the experience for the traveler. And then you'll also have, you know, places that are solely focused on a mindful and wellness type experience that will take it to the next level with these with these uh, plant medicines and and other things that we have available to us, we'll, where you can, you know, take a cooking class on site um, and then experience a, a, a spa massage that incorporates the plant medicines. And then again, a fine dining experience. So I think all of this is taking us steps towards elevating this experience across the board for everyone
0: hundred percent. And talking about having it on supply for the hotel, I know Scotia Lodge locally just started doing a dispensary delivery where you can order from the local dispensary Mm -hmm. and they'll bring it right to your room.
2: Yeah. And that's, and that's beautiful. It's perfect. It's you know, um, Desert Hot Springs Inn has partnered with a delivery service. Mine and Farm Inn has partnered with them and that's really the way for um, I think you know, that's how these hospitality businesses are going to succeed is by pulling in the parts of the the experience for their guest and and partnering up with delivery services and making that available to them. Because, you know, a traveler from out of state isn't doesn't know where to go. They don't know what store to go to. They don't know what brands to buy, that sort of thing. So the hospitality, you know, side really is kind of the the gateway, yeah. <laughs> the gateway yeah. to the cannabis experience. And so it's incumbent on them to make sure that they are presenting the best face possible.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point, is that. You know, the, the hospi- hospitality realm really opens the doors for the kind of curious, the folks that might be afraid to go to a dispensary, might even be afraid to go online and look at what's available. So right. But if you, yeah. Yeah. If you're in a comfortable area, if you're in a beautiful hotel or a beautiful resort or inn or something, and there's a menu that's set up for you to order some cannabis, that is a much more inviting way, an introduction to the plant. Um, or to, to plant medicines in general. So yeah, I think um, hospitality and and events and experiential based uh, things like that are going to be a huge, huge component to to normalizing this and allowing so many folks that are curious about it, or maybe even not curious about it, to just at least learn a little bit more about it. And maybe in the meantime, experience it. Yeah I
2: think it it's definitely about demystifying it right it's about normalizing this and and demystifying it so that it's not the big bad anymore it's not the something scary you know it's you know it's your your neighbor who is is using cannabis it's your um you know your dentist is using cannabis your your school teachers are using cannabis and it's about time you know that we stop hiding it and start talking about ways that it can be incorporated into a lifestyle that is not um you know that's actually beneficial to you and that can be helpful and can be enjoyable it's you know high next door i'm your neighbor i'm 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 high next door right now <laughs> <laughs> i'm high next door
0: <laughs> and do you all maybe have any sort of insights into how you might package or present cannabis products on a retail shelf versus in the hospitality space if any difference at all
1: i think in the you know i think in the hospitality space we would be presenting it more in a gift type fashion um you know potentially a, a you know a basket of uh you know of of Products that you can purchase, like the whole basket, instead of going to the dispensary, just picking out, you know, product right. by product.
2: Well, and also in the hospitality context, it's more of like a luxury item that you're you're making available to your guest versus a dispensary that's going to have the full range of low end to high end products, right? So, in the um, hotel environment, it would be a very highly curated menu of things that um, brands and whatnot that are uh, that. I think help elevate their stay. And so um, instead of 7,000 selections, you'll get, you know, a curated listing of seven selections, things that are easy to transport, um, single use devices, single, you know, uh, single joints, that sort of thing. So instead of um, selling a pack of joints, you're going to sell one joint, you know, that sort of thing. I think that's what's, that's definitely going to be the difference because it's going to be single use, single experience type products versus, um, you know, something that you're, you're not going to carry home an ounce to a hotel, right? Because you're only going to be there for two days.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, that kind of curation really adds to the, the, um, The experience that that particular property wants to bring because they can literally they can look at the, uh, you know, the cultivars, they can look at the products and and to Monique's point, curate a list that that makes sense for that experience. You know, maybe it's a relaxed experience. Maybe it's an energetic experience that you're going for, but they can really bring a, a, a really interesting curated mix of products to those travelers to enhance their that particular experience, that particular stay.
0: And you mentioned Indica and about your social media accounts a little bit. How can people find you and your services and Indica?
2: Okay. um, So you can find us online at indica.com and that's in with two N's, indica.com. And then we're on all of the social media channels as Indica 420, again with two N's. Um, So we're on, you know, um, and, you know, it's interesting. The social media thing is we, we tend not to focus that much on content creation right now because um, it is kind of a, a losing proposition with Instagram the way it is with all of their ex- restrictions. So we just try to, you know, share some interesting travel tidbits, share trip information when we're out and about and that sort of thing. Um, but the real the real deal is indica.com, And that's where you can go and start to discover places to stay, places for consumption lounges. And uh, you know, the more people that use it, the more that they share their experiences, the better the experience will be for the next traveler.
1: Yeah, and there's some useful information on Indica. Um, You know, we put together some great uh, content pieces on there, some articles and and such to to give a little more insight. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a, it's it's a fun place to hang out.
0: And before I let you all go, was there anything that you all wanted to talk about or upcoming projects or announcements that might be happening?
2: Um, No big announcements, just the uh, Cannabis Travel Association, uh, Cannabis Travel World Fair coming up next week, uh, where they're going to have speakers from all different countries um, and across the board for different types of hospitality businesses. And so I think um, that's the biggest thing upcoming. And then I think just, you know, having people stay aware, you know, just check out what's around you, right? There's so much going on right now. And there's so many different ways that we can experience cannabis, that we can share our stories together and that we can really start to build this community up again and we can gather together again. So I think just, you know, go out there and have some fun.
1: For sure.
0: Rick, Monique, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. It was really good talking to you.
2: Thank you so much. And I hope we get to come out to your bluegrass state soon and, and experience some things there.
0: A hundred percent. We're going to have to do some tours. It might not be legal, but there's definitely sources.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> well, we're looking forward to absolutely. It, it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Elijah.
2: Thank you so much for having us.
0: Our song this week was Grass Holes by Beargrass Thunder. If you're a band that would like to play your country or bluegrass song on the podcast, Send it on over. We're taking submissions now and we'll be featuring one song per episode. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to stay up to date with news, merch, and more, make sure to follow us on Instagram at bluegrass underscore cannabis, TikTok at bluegrasscannabis, Twitter at bluegrasscanna. Thank you so much for listening, and stay safe. The Bluegrass Podcast. Old-fashioned, all-natural, Kentucky bluegrass.